This episode of The Fearless Storyteller is brought to you by... Well, this could be sponsored by you. Visit patreon.com forward slash Ethan Freckleton to find the membership option that works for you. Hello, and welcome to the Fearless Storyteller Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Freckleton. Have you ever noticed how fear stops us from creating and sharing our best work? Join the Fearless Storyteller as we explore the heart and soul of writing stories, songs, and scripts that sell with the people who write them. Each guest has their own unique hero's journey and insights into the intersections between limiting beliefs and success. What's my story? In 2007, I was divorced, in debt, stuck in a soul-sucking job, desperate to have a meaningful, fulfilling life, but not sure where to begin. I made a simple choice at the time, to start honoring my yes and to start speaking my no. Consequences be damned. After all, how could my life possibly get any worse? I began the long path of becoming a professional songwriter finding my fearless voice along the way. Now, I'm living my dream life as a husband, father, and professional storyteller. Daniel Swenson is the creator of the long-running, Hugo-nominated podcast, Dungeon Crawlers Radio. He started writing stories as a kid, but the spark fizzled and remained dormant for several years. That didn't stop him from learning and exploring story via dungeon mastering games like Dungeons and Dragons. As Daniel says, quote, we're all storytellers, unquote. But it was only after starting a podcast, interviewing several of the top authors and game designers in the world of geekdom, that he found the encouragement to start writing again. Well, Daniel Swenson, welcome to the Fearless Storyteller. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. And, you know, we were just saying before started the recording, um, we are connected via Michael Brent Collings. Yes. Yeah. And I love community and how you can just keep like each person's like the tip of an iceberg for yeah. these different for these different groups of people. And no, I mean the the community writing community, gaming community, geek community, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it it's amazing how it works that way. You know, you you, you talk to one person. That it's almost like a multi-level marketing thing. <laughs> you, know, you talk to one person, and they they introduce you to three more people, and they introduce you to three more people. Yeah, and it just keeps cascading down. It's like multi-level marketing, but without the uh, without the call to spend a bunch of money. That's... Yes, yes. Uh, I, do you know DJ Butler as well? I do. Yeah, I do. He, uh, he, he brought up he brought up my multi market multi-level marketing. Yeah. That's actually kind of funny. funny. Um, yeah, no, I, I know him. Him and I uh, spent a long uh, 15 and a half hour trek from here up to Seattle to attend oh. Emerald City Comic Con one year. And oh, cool. Yeah, we, we, we talked the whole way up, and he was learning another language for his book series. He was uh, reading <laughs> a Native American one, and man, it, it's very interesting the things you learn. And he, he's a really smart guy. One of the only guys I know that can actually read a book while doing a stair climbing machine in the gym. 
That does take dedication and practice. Yes. <laughs> He's also like really tall, right? Yes, yes. He's very tall. Unfortunately, um, my so my day job, my boss and my day job is actually taller than Dave. Oh my gosh. My boss at work is well over seven feet. And uh, I always thought Dave was like the tallest person I knew until I, I met my boss. So yeah, you know, there's all sorts of good puns and, and metaphors that I could explore with a seven foot tall you know, yes. manager and I'll resist because you might want to share this podcast with them. No, um, he, he's a good guy. He, 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 he always jokes about it. like the day my kids first met him. Cause I always sound like, yeah, he's really tall. And they just didn't believe me. Then they met him. Like my, my 15 year old son's like, Holy crap. He's really tall. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I know I've already told you that. <laughs> <laughs> now you really know what tall is. So for, for people who don't know who you are, um, you know, what do you want to share about yourself? Oh, wow. What do I want to share about myself? Well, um, I, I am a ginger. Uh, I have always <laughs> been a ginger, you know. And is that an offensive term, by the way? I don't know. I've never taken it as offensive. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a redhead. I've always been a redhead. Uh, I was a redhead back when being a redhead wasn't cool and you got picked on and called carrot top and beat up and stuff like that. Uh. You know, thankfully that has changed and my kids have never experienced that, which I'm, I'm thankful for um, because all but one of my kids are redheads. Mm -hmm. So um, I kind of fell into this community oh, back in 2008. Um, 2008, I really wanted to be on the radio and that didn't work out. And so I started my little podcast uh, called Dungeon Crawlers Radio, which mm. we've now just shortened to Dungeon Crawlers. Um, to kind of get experience to get on the radio and it took on a life of its own. Um, mm. and by learning about authors and game designers and stuff like that, the, the little spark in me that had kind of died away with writing. Cause I, as a kid, I always used to write stories and come up with all these fantastic stories. Um, third grade, I wrote this story about how a tiger got his stripes. Mm. Um, and so that kind of faded fizzled away because you know growing up everyone's like oh you don't make money as an author you don't make money writing books get a real job yeah as uh, if that's a reason to stop yeah so after doing the podcast for several years and talking to all these authors and gleaming all this bits of information you know asking a question hey for you know as a brand new starting author or someone that's wanting to be an author what would you suggest so all that just kind of compiled up and then i one day someone came to me because uh, I had ran some D&D games and I had sat on some panels with them and they knew all the research I did and how I just could throw together uh, an adventure uh, on a moment's notice. And they said, you know, if you wrote a story, I'd publish it. Mm. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, I, 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 would, I would publish it. And I'm like, okay. So that was uh, Memorial Weekend. In 2015, and I went home. I told my wife, "Hey, I think I'm going to write a book." She's like, "Really?" I'm like, "Yeah, I think I want to." And she's like, "Okay, well, do it." I'm like, "Okay," and I and I set the goal that I would have it written before Labor Day, mm. and I went to work that night. I, I woke up in the middle of the night with the first sentence uh, in my head. I wrote it down, went back to sleep, and started writing the next day. And I finished a week before Labor Day and mm. had the first draft from my first book. 
uh, done. I guess that would light a fire. Right? Yeah. You know, that kind of affirmation from somebody. Um, that's powerful. So, And so then what happened with that? So that uh, I sent out uh, to a couple friends. Uh, DJ Butler is one of them. Michael Brent Collings was another and another friend, Jason King. Hmm. And, you know, Jason came back, said, wow, this is really good. It needs some, some work, but it's really good. Hey, do you want to write a short story in my my uh, world that I'm putting out an anthology and want a bunch of authors? I'm like, sure, I'll do that. So I read his book and wrote a short story for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, DJ came back, said, hey, this is great. You know, gave me some suggestions. And Michael Brent came back and said, gave me some, some good suggestions as well. And I went through, I did another edit pass and cleaned it up. But... Wow here are some, some authors that were already published that I kind of, that I respected and uh, they were being pretty positive. And I'm just like, wow, yeah. okay, I, I can actually do this. Yeah. You know, and then I wrote some short stories and those were received pretty well. And yeah, it's, it's kind of been this weird magical trip, I guess you can say. Yeah. And does I mean, how is your relationship with writing in 2020? Um, like- you know, <laughs> um, I am working on my the, the third book in the series, uh, and it has been rough. Uh, mm. It's it's been kind of difficult for because I I, I write I because I, I I'm a panzer, so I don't really outline. I, yeah, I do it. Um, so I, I write by the seat of my pants and I, I'm going along and then I get this idea. It's like, oh man, do I want to put it in later? Do I want to go back? Mm-hmm. And with all the craziness that's going on right now, it's like, yeah, do I really want to dive into this place? Because, you know, the second book, I really, it was fun, but it kind of went dark. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had to learn about how to poison someone and how to do it in a way that couldn't be detected and you know, Michael Brent, when we interviewed him in the past, he always joked about, he's like, you know, I'm probably on some watch list. Mm-hmm. And, but I, it, this is the coolest job ever because I get to learn about these things and I get to experience this vicariously. Not like I'm going to go out and poison someone, but I can do it through my writing. And, right. and you kind of dip into that place when you're writing some of these characters. And it's like, with everything going on right now, I don't know if I want to dip in there, but... Yeah. At the same time, the, the story's begging to come out. and So you're having some resistance around the mood it will, you know, put you in and where yeah. you're at. And that's, that's a legitimate thing. I know that when this all started, the lockdown started, I had to, I had to take a little pause and do a palate cleanser and just do something yeah. that wasn't going to, yeah, further darken. Yeah. Yeah, and the I, other I thing. I feel that. I'm home all day now, you know, I, mm. before I would leave, go to work and then come home and you know, spend time with the family. And then after everyone is in bed, I could write or you know, spend time on that. And I'm, I sit at the same desk all day almost mm-hmm. at this point. You know, I, I spend my eight hours or more at work at that desk. Mm. And then after work is done, I get up and move. And then it's like, okay, the kids are in bed. Do I want to write? And that means I got to go back to that desk for another mm-hmm. hour or two. And sometimes it's like, uh, uh, I mean, there's some good times where I'll sit outside and be able to get some writing, but 
it it's it is a stress a, a little bit more because of always being home. Hopefully that will change. Yeah, and you know that's something where we're all of us, including the listeners, are exploring right now. Right? Yeah. Is, is especially as we shift from that mindset of oh, this is really temporary to you know we might be adapting for a while. Yeah, I I'm pretty sure we're going to be dealing with this clear into next year. Um, yeah. I was hoping, hey, by June life would be awesome and go back to normal and. No, it's not. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be here a while. Um, you know, unfortunately, the last couple of weeks, we actually had it here in our home. We actually got mm. uh, COVID. And it, I wouldn't say it knocked us out as bad as some people are experiencing it. It was yeah. a little bit more aggressive version of the flu, at least for us. Yeah. Um, we moved through it pretty, pretty well. But, man, I... I I was exhausted a lot. And so I didn't get a lot of writing done because I, if I wasn't working, I was sleeping. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. you know, I, I'm thankful it's hopefully done. You know, some people are thinking, oh, you know, antibodies go away or you could come back around, but I don't know. It, it's been an interesting year in many ways. My <laughs> oldest daughter graduated. She's been working towards having this fantastic senior year and that was thwarted. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so she was a little frustrated yeah. with that but we've kind of yeah. rolled with the punches as best we can this year yeah my 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 son you know similar thing he just graduated high school and yeah it does it feels that way yeah just kind of deprived of all that so like what's kind of foundational then for you right now because I, I imagine you consider yourself you know, not so much like label yourself as an author, but as a creative person, right? And yeah, so, I mean, the things that really ground me and are my foundation are, you know, doing my podcast because I'm I get together with my my co-hosts every week. Hmm. Uh, we get to talk about things that are on our mind. We get to interview authors, game designers, uh, and so forth, and that's really fun. It, you know, even though we can't meet in person like we used to, we still get together. We still talk. We have fun. I mean, we can get on a rant, and mm-hmm. an hour is gone, and it's like, wow. Well, I guess we're gonna have to do another show on this. Um, so that's that's really fun, and it's nice to still be able to connect with them that way. Uh, being able to connect with friends, uh, whether they're other fellow authors or just friends, it, it's nice to be able to chat with them. Yeah. Um, you know, the other day I had a uh, I talked with one over Zoom. We just kind of chatted um, about things. And so that's really nice to be able to do those things. You know, I, I remember as a kid, the, if this would have happened when I was a kid, it would have sucked. I mean, oh we, didn't have, we didn't have Zoom. We didn't have Skype. We didn't have any of these ways to communicate and see each other. That's the biggest thing. Um, even FaceTime is wonderful because I can see them as I'm talking to them instead of just over the phone. Yeah. Um, so it helps so much more. I guess we'd be reading a lot of books and writing letters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, the, co- the, the whole concept of writing a letter, putting a stamp on it and sending it out in the mail to my kids is so foreign and, uh, you know, doing reports without the use of the internet. Mm-hmm. We joke about it all the time because they're just like, Oh man, I can't find anything for this report. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. 
you know, I remember back in the day when you had to go to the library and you had to go find the encyclopedia or whatever source material you could find. And you had to literally sit there and write word for word so that you had it later. Yeah. Like and index now, cards or whatever. Yeah. And then they can just like go to Google and type in Afghanistan or Argentina and get all these articles and things. And it's just like, you, you don't understand. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, I mean, technology helps a lot in those things. Uh, I enjoy gaming. Um, I enjoy watching movies. I'll play video games with my kids every now and then. Lately, another big thing for me has been painting miniatures. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. just, I, I feel accomplished after I've finished one. And uh, at this point, I think I have painted my 102nd miniature since uh, the lockdown started in March. So, wow. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> that's, a, that's a habit. It yeah. Like you're, it is. You're like all the, yeah, which, you know, is cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I talk to a lot of authors and storytellers who like have, um, gaming as a side hustle or something they do for yeah. creative play, you know, with a couple of exceptions and guests. And so like for someone who's run a lot of games and talks about games all the time, especially tabletop and writes books, like, what is the common link like be- between these as far as storytelling goes? Like, how are you thinking about story when it comes to these mediums? Yeah, well, I mean, for me, that's kind of where, you know, that's where my writing mainly lived for a long time um, mm. through gaming. Because when you do a tabletop game like, you know, Pathfinder or D&D or Palladium or anything like that, um, even Star Wars, uh, the RPGs they have out there, you're basically telling a story. You know, you're you're you have the adventure, which it ties into either either it's a one-off or it's a much larger campaign. That just you, it's kind of episodic in a way when you're doing a a large campaign with with your with your players. Mm-hmm. You know, you have episode one, two, three, and and so on. You know, it, and it's really fun because you have this core story. And then you have these individual episodes that build up through that core story. And so I found myself, and that's one of the reasons why the one guy said, hey, if you wrote something, I'd publish it. Because he had played in one of those games, and he saw the detail and the little breadcrumbs that I had spread throughout the entire story mm-hmm. that ultimately had this big payoff. And everyone was super excited about that. And But in the moment, they weren't they weren't noticing those things. It wasn't until the end. And that's what you really do when you're writing. You know, you, you have that story, but there's these little breadcrumbs that by the end, you're like, holy crap. Now I see that. I see that, that trail, but I didn't, I didn't see it until now. That's mm. um, and I, I was doing it in, also in a way that was very powerful for my players. There was always moments where you could tell that the player had completely invested in their character and was completely invested in the game. Um, one such example, uh, my, one of my players was a paladin. Uh, most paladins, in my opinion, are really tough to play just because um, they're lawful good, which for those listeners that don't know, it's a very, just think of the most 
pure person that obeys every law and multiply that by 10. You know, they just, they, they won't even spit their gum on the ground or if they see gum they'll on the ground, they'll pick it up and put it in the garbage. Um, and he, th- this player did a really good job playing a paladin. Like he would not do anything wrong. Like the rest of my guys are like, Oh man, uh, Hey, let's, let's go steal that cart. We need mm-hmm. a cart, but we don't have enough money. And he's just like, no, we're not doing that. We're going to carry this stuff. But uh, we got out in the middle of this field. There's this old man attached to this crucifix. Uh, and he was just weeping and crying and sobbing. And, you know, telling the players that, you know, he'd been unjustly tried and convicted. And now he was hanging from this uh, crucifix and he was dying. He had to eat or drink in weeks mm-hmm. and this village in, or town in the far off distance was, that's where he was from. And they had unjustly uh, done this to him. And, you know, the party was just like, Oh man, I don't trust this guy. Yeah. 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 And the paladin's like, how could they do this? I mean, he kept asking these questions and this guy just kept giving him answers. It just kept dragging him further and further in. And they're just like, like, Let, let's leave him. I don't trust this situation. Let's go talk to the city, the, the magistrates in town, and then we'll come back. And he's like, no, I can't do this. I cannot leave this man hanging here. He has not ate. He has not drank. He, he just, I can't, I can't. Yeah. And they're like, okay, well, it's up to you. And he's like, I'm cutting him down. So he uses his magic sword, breaks the bonds. And this old guy hits the ground and starts laughing maniacally as this gray smoke billows around him. And he turns into a lich and he's like, finally, I am free. Now I can destroy those who imprisoned me here and vanished. <laughs> and Sounds they, like, yeah. Yeah. And the guy that was the player just stopped and said, I'm done. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. I mean, we, we're only like an hour and a half in. He's like, I'm done. It's like, mm. I have to go home. You have put me in such an emotional crisis that I can't think anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and so he just got up, got all of his books and left. Um, <laughs> and came back the next week. And he's like, you are the biggest jerk in the universe. I could not sleep all week because of what you did to me. Wow. But he was invested. I mean, that's 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 fantastic, right? Like, yeah, that, that's that's immersion and like kind of cooperative storytelling yes. in a truer sense. But you know, you you do that with with your stories uh, when you're writing. You're the only problem is you don't have the actual reader right there. But that's mm-hmm. what you're trying to do with your story is trying to get that much investment out of them and draw them into the story without having them actively participating they're passively participating but you have to drag them in um and so by writing those adventures and doing gaming that way i learned how to do that how to pull people in Mm. how to get them invested and what what works and what doesn't um especially with listening to all these other authors um with what you know what they do and their tricks and tips um i was able to kind of create my own unique style and voice Mm. through gaming cool and so like that's a big teaser right like you know suggesting you've learned how to pull people in and what to do and not to do so like are there some highlight tips on either side of that well yeah i mean the thing is is uh, yeah for me 
it's always you want to draw a person in. You don't want to push them away. There are moments when you want to kind of push the envelope, but you don't want to push it so far that they are com- they, you push them completely out of the story. Um, it's always it's this kind of gentle balance. You want mm. to push enough that they're not like completely figuring out the story, but you want to pull them enough that they they want to keep flipping the pages or they want to keep rolling the dice um, and and kind of going further down the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the one thing that I would definitely suggest is, you know, don't be afraid to take risks. Uh, especially when it comes to either gaming or writing, because sometimes those risks pay off. You know, they, it doesn't need to be like so overboard that it's like, wow, um, I don't know where you went with this or you just went over the top. But, you know, uh, for example, uh, in my second book, I killed off a character that I didn't think I was going to kill. Mm. Um, I was pretty certain this character was going to live and the other character was going to die. But when I got to that pivotal point, I killed the character. I didn't, yeah. I'm like, whoa, well, why did I do that? I didn't want to kill that character. So I took a week off. I mm. went back and I went back with the purpose of I was going to rewrite it and that character was going to live and I was going to kill the other character. Mm. And I figured it all out in my head how I was going to do that. I went back, rewrote the entire chapter, and it happened again. <laughs> I killed the character. I'm just like, okay, this, all right, this is what's going to have to be. I'm just going to have to take this leap because, you know, as I'm going, I'll jot down little notes of things later on that I want to happen. And there was this one big event later on that I, I needed him there for. And I couldn't, so I just took the leap of that, okay, he's not going to be in that chapter. I have to figure out something different. Right. Um, because and that character died now unfortunately that character was kind of based around a a friend of mine thankfully he wasn't upset that i killed him off Mm -hmm. Uh, you know and that's something some authors do is that you know they see a friend yeah that he fits perfectly for that character yeah Um, makes it more real i mean imagine it was easier to be authentic and connect to that moment without being glib about it yeah um and it's and it's good when you take those chances because sometimes they turn out a lot better um, than you expected. And this in this case, it did as well. Uh, when I got to that final point where that character was supposed to be there, there was a different character that I had added into the story that was there, and a much better character uh, mm-hmm. for that moment. Mm. Yeah. So, kind of essentially talking about being willing to deviate from a plan. Yeah, you have which I could see would apply to either writing when you're plotting out beats for a book or for planning a campaign, right? But yeah, I mean, in, in a campaign, you gotta definitely be on your toes. You gotta be flexible. Um, and and I've talked on many panels about this. Uh, players suck. Um, <laughs> I, I mean that in the most loving, adoring way, because there you can spend hours. Mm-hmm. writing up an adventure or a campaign and it it sounds beautiful it's amazing you're they're going to go on this quest and find this magical artifact which is then you're going to bring back and you're going to save the kingdom and the players set out to do just that they've talked to the king they know where the magical artifact is they know how to get there and somewhere along the way 
one of them decides, hey, there's a cave, there's a cave over there full of trolls. Let's go there instead. Mm-hmm. And they go face the trolls. And then they find that they're, you know, one of the trolls, as it's dying, says, you will never find the scepter of blah, 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 whatever. And yeah. it has nothing to do with the, the main story. But you threw it in there just because you have to, because this troll thing was kind of unexpected. And they decide, hey, let's go after that scepter. Yep, and shiny they, objects. Yeah. It's almost like a that. metaphor for an author career. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> but, you know, uh, there is, there's an old cartoon from the Dork Tower that used to be in the Dragon Magazine that I loved um, because it was, it was a scene of this guy doing a D&D campaign. And he's like, all right, you, you fought the dragon, you fought this. And he gives this long list that takes up nine different panels. Mm. And their guy's like, yeah, we're awesome. We did all these great things. And he goes, but you forgot to save the princess. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that's how it is in a game. You know, they do all these amazing things, but they forget that main goal in the beginning. Um, and you have to be flexible because they're doing all these things and deciding to do these things. And sometimes that's how it has to be in writing. Sometimes, even though you have this goal in mind, sometimes the, the, the characters themselves tell you differently. Absolutely. Um, Bob Salvatore talks about that quite often that his characters talk to him and there he's pretty much writing their experience, their journey. And he's just there along for the ride. Mm. And, and I have to kind of agree with that. Mm. Uh, my characters, I wouldn't say they openly talk to me. Um, that would make me crazy, but they definitely let me know when something doesn't feel right as far as a scene or um, such as this character. This character definitely said, hey, I'm done. You know, yeah. I, I rewrote the chapter twice and he still died. Um so sometimes they do that and it surprises you and you have to figure that what's the next step then. Yeah. And um, it sounds like you kind of have to be on your toes and, and grounded to go into writing like that. Yeah, you do. And the gaming has, has helped me with that. You know, in the beginning uh, I started gaming. Uh, oh, wow. How long ago has it been? Uh, 28, 29 years ago. Yeah, I've mm. been doing this almost three decades. Wow. Um, when I first started, it was because the dungeon master, game master, was very rigid in his game style. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we if we were stuck in a situation, there was no way out of it. I didn't really like that. Um, you know, I didn't feel like there was a lot of agency. I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. for my character to do something unexpected. And so I learned how to become, you know, the game master or dungeon master because of that, like in pure defiance. I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. fine. You're not going to let me do what I want. Then mm-hmm. I'm going to learn how to do this and I'm going to run a game instead. And through that, I found there was a lot of rigidity in the game itself because there's a lot of math and stuff. And yeah, Slowly over time, I learned that it was less about the rules and more about the experience at the table with your players. You know, there are some times where you need to have a role. There's sometimes you don't. There are some times where the story isn't as important as who's having fun at the table. Because if I'm trying to force the story and they're not having fun, there's mm-hmm. no point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has taught me a lot uh, with my writing 
because there are points where if I'm trying to force that story and I'm not filling it, then it's not going to be, you know, the reader is going to feel that same thing. They're going to feel that I'm forcing that and it's not, yeah. it's not fluid. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and for me, that's, I need to show up at the page with my sense of fun intact. Yes. And if I'm not feeling the sense of fun, then that's like a sign. <laughs> if I can't find that, then I'm probably not going to write something very good. Yeah. Well, and you know, when you're reading a book, yeah. um, you know, I, there have been some books that I have read um, that it's just like, it took me a year and a half to get through. Like I put it down, go read another book, mm-hmm. come back, try to read. And that wasn't in there. That, that urgency, that fun, that, mm. that pull was not there. And I just felt like, man, I'm just, I have to get through the book just to say I yeah. finished it. But yeah. But there are some books you just pick up and the next thing you know, it's like, oh, wow, it's three in the morning. Oops, I have to be to work at seven. Um, okay, uh, I guess I'm going to bed now. But I don't want to. I want to finish this. Um, so th- those are great books. And that's yeah. what I hope is in my writing is is that sense of urgency, that desire where you just you you want to keep reading even though you dread having to stop. Mm. And like, so thinking about that applied to writing or putting together an adventure for some people, um, like, what does that look like? How do, how do you, have you noticed anything in common about these stories or those moments when you're writing them? Yeah. Um, pacing is definitely one thing mm. that, that I've noticed. Um, if you have a slow pace that you're going to you know, with, with gaming and writing. So if, if my pace is slow in my book, you're not going to be pulling someone through that story as quickly. Mm. Um, if your pace is slow in your game, then that gives more room for those players to wander. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I hate cities. I hate cities. Plain and simple when I'm gaming. It's the worst place in the world because mm. you have to slow that pace down. Yeah. There's no urgency for them it's like ooh, what can i go buy what shiny new object can i find yeah yeah however if i have if suddenly there's something urgent in the in the city or the city's under attack that ur- urgency comes back and suddenly they're galvanized and it's like oh crap we got to do something um so pacing is definitely important mm. uh, the other thing that i found that's really important between the two is um that even though they have stopped to do something, the world is still moving. Things are still happening. That's something I had to learn uh, kind of in a hard way in, with gaming. Yeah, Because when you're, when you're playing, you know, let's say you go into a city, you kind of forget that the world's still turning around. You know, that army that's threatened to come to the, the kingdom and destroy it is still marching towards you. Right. Um, and so with my writing, I have to keep that in mind always, you know, the guy, if there's, they stop and have dialogue or they stop and, you know, like in the first book, you know, two brothers came back together. There's still bad things going on and they have to go face that, Mm. but you can still have that moment, but they have to realize, Hey, this moment can't last for two or three days. Why, you know? Right. Or if it does, it, it's 
it's part of the tension. Yeah, yeah, that tension builds, um, and, and bad things suddenly start happening, yeah. uh, which is what I had happen. You know, uh, so those are the two biggest things that I've learned between the two is your pacing and you know the world is still turning even though moments are happening mm-hmm. and those sound like important tips and yeah i like what you, you mentioned about that the cities <laughs> the peril of the cities i see that in you know with the things going on i've had a chance to play more video games at night when everybody yeah. else has gone to bed and it reminds me that yeah you get in a position the position where you have endless possibilities and like, or say there's like 10 or 20 people to give a quest or whatever it is, like it actually bogs things down. Yeah. Tremendously. Right. Cause then it's like, Oh, I better go see what everybody has to say. And then yeah. kind of chip away at it that way, instead of sticking with the narrative. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Skyrim is a great example of this. Yeah. You, know, you have <laughs> a, you have a single narrative through yeah. this whole game. How many people straight play straight through that single narrative? No, everyone stops to do all these side quests. Yeah, or does you can play for stuff. hundreds of hours without. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know my Skyrim game. Uh, I have probably 110 hours, and I am probably only halfway through the <laughs> actual main uh, story arc. And then that's not even including all the other DLCs that they you know suddenly they made available for you, which add more stuff on there. Yeah. Um, you know, my uh, my son started playing Skyrim, and he's actually a lot further along on the main uh, story arc than I am. And he only started, what, a month and a half ago? Mm. And I've been playing for a couple years, and I just pick it up every now and then and keep playing. But, you know, he's like, he finally, um, I told him about the assassins, and he's like, I, I could do that? I'm like, yeah, you don't need to do the whole story arc. You could go on a side quest. And then he's, he blew another 20 hours just <laughs> Side quest. And he's like, um, well, I wanted to really finish this game, but now that I know that all this other stuff exists, can I go do all that stuff? And I'm like, all right, yep, you just got sucked into the rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, because that's that's how we are when we game. It's like, ooh, there's another shiny object or another option I could do. Mm. Maybe I should go do that. Yeah. And I mean, I imagine you can put that to good use, like with in, with intention. Yeah. If actually, like, the big quest is kind of the MacGuffin, uh, right? And it's it's what happens mm-hmm. along the way that matters versus the end point. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the nice thing with writing, let's use writing as an example. Yeah, you, you know, with my main, I had my main story. Mm. But there are other characters within that main story that I could write side novellas about. Mm-hmm. So that we can go down that you know, that quest, uh, that side quest and see what happens there. And that is the nice thing about writing is you could have short stories or novellas um, or even another book itself that, you know, kind of goes down. What if, what if we focus on this character and what happens with that character in this circumstance, mm-hmm. even though it's briefly mentioned. And so there is that fun that you can do that. Yeah. Um, you know, and we kind of can do that in gaming as well. You know, let's let's take it. Let's take a break from the main adventure, and you know, you had you met this side fellow. Let's let's use him as the main character, and you guys build these other side characters. And I did that once. Oh, there you go. That's that's a great uh, idea. Where the guys, you know, my 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 group was a little tired playing their characters. I'm like, okay, well, 
we have this character that you guys met and he's wanting to hire a bunch of heroes. So how about you guys draw up another, uh, another group of players hmm. and they're going to go on that quest. And so we did, we went on that quest for a year and they're like, Oh, we want to go back to the other characters. So I wrapped up, that was a almost three year campaign and we ended up, it was really hard, but we ended up finishing that campaign with those players playing both characters for the final battle. <laughs> and I, I will give my, my, my group credit. They were able to play each character separately in their own, you know, how they had built up their personalities and everything. And it was kind of amazing. Uh, I didn't think we would do it really well. I, I figured they'd end up kind of just not voicing their characters and just being a player moving yeah. the pawn around, but no, they, they bought in and they did a great job at it. Yeah. And it, it was fun. I imagine that's empowering for the people who are playing, right? Cause yeah. you know, that's kind of what we do and talked about your story of writing your first story. And, and I think we all probably have more skill to manage that than we would know. And without the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, this is, we're all innately storytellers. I mean, mm. just watching my kids growing up, they tell stories all the time. Um, when I was growing up, I remember telling stories. And they, 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 it wasn't like fibbing stories. It was like your imagination. When you're playing with your toys, you're pretty much telling this story in this unique setting of your own. So innately and historically, we've always been storytellers. Mm -hmm. We've just kind of forgotten that or uh, being a storyteller is looked down upon or something like that yeah because and, you know, money or something yeah like i mean yeah it doesn't make money stuff like that i mean look at how history is passed down it used to be an oral tradition that was passed right. down from person to person and that's just storytelling in its finest um but nowadays it, it doesn't seem you know it's it's a it's a form of art um and art for some reason i don't know where it shifted or why but art seems just kind of be frowned upon you mm. know back in the day of leonardo da vinci and, and michelangelo and stuff like that they were well known because of their artistic abilities and it's kind of sad that that's where we're at but yeah you know it, it is what it is it is what it is yeah i you know, you and I are probably of a similar age somewhat, and I'm coming to realize, and I keep, you know, seeing this lesson over and over again, is starting to realize that when it comes down to it, all paths are kind of equally hard. Yeah. You know, all roads, like the, the most seemingly legitimate ones and the ones that are the most dreamy, like you have to work just as hard to make a boring dream possible as you do like your wildest fantasy yes because you have to get good at it right and mm -hmm. you have to learn the game and the rules of the game yeah 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 hey i mean it, it is that uh whether you're a ceo uh, an author or an artist uh a scientist working for nasa it it is really it, it's a journey um uh, mm. that we're all on and our journey is different, and we're learning how to navigate through that journey. Hmm. You know, uh, a mathematician needs to know math. They need to know how to tell the story through numbers. Yeah. Um, you know, a CEO, it, it's still telling a story, but it's a, telling the story of this business that he's created and grown and, and stuff like that. It's just, it's in a different way. Yeah. 
but it's still a story. I, you know, and you know, people that direct and film and write movies. I mean, that's the biggest story uh, creation of it right now of our time, uh, which yeah. is super popular. And you know, the people keep paying, keep paying tickets to go see the next movie, the next summer blockbuster, and um, or you know, jumping on Netflix and seeing what's on now and and binge watching it like crazy. Yeah, and so you've been gaming a long time and now you've been writing stories for a good length of time as well. What keeps you going? Uh, what keeps you connected? What keeps you connected to that? Just the pure joy of it. It's something I love. Um, you know, when I'm not actually physically doing it, I'm still thinking about it. Mm. Um, I actually talk, kind of jokingly talked to another fellow author the other day about this because uh, I went back and rewrote my prologue and the first three chapters of my book that I'm working on right now because for the, for several nights in a row, I kept dreaming about it. Mm. And my brain, because I, I was like, something's wrong. Something's not fitting right. And my brain pretty much figured out why I was sleeping. Mm. Um, you know, that's when I wasn't bogged down by all the other stuff going on. And I just like, okay, I need to rewrite this and this is what I need to change. And so I rewrote and added another like thousand words to each chapter. And uh, so it's constantly kind of running in my head, uh, you know, and I have tons of ideas, you know, I'll be driving in a car, I'll be talking to someone, I'll mm-hmm. be watching a show and suddenly an idea pops in my head and I have to pull out my cell phone, go to my notepad and just write it down. <laughs> you know, Cause it's like, okay, I'm going to come back to that. Um, in fact, today I went to pull all those notes out of my phone and put them onto my, uh, my laptop in my Scrivener program, just so I have them. And there's like 27 notes that I've had <laughs> over the last couple of weeks. And it's like, Oh wow. I have a lot of notes here. Um, but that's just how it is. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I've talked to several other authors where they always have something on them, whether it's a notepad or a recorder or something, because you never know when inspiration is going to hit it could be in the middle of a hockey game it could be at a basketball game it could be while they're hiking um it just when it hits you got to write it down otherwise sometimes you forget it yeah arguably the (laughs) the more engaged you are with something else the more likely that is to happen yes yeah because your your brain i've i've learned this that my brain is always computing that that story is always in the back of my mind and it's always thinking about it, even when I'm not thinking of it. Um, just like there's other things that are running, you know, it's kind of like your computer. There's still processes running, even though you're sitting there playing solitaire or whatever, or mm. watching a video. Um, and my brain's kind of like that. And there will be points where it's like, okay, I figured this out. And then it pushes it up front and it's like, Oh, okay. All right. Gotta write that down. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna sit here and have a brain freeze for a second. Oh, you're fine. No, Those yeah. Fine too. I was gonna ask you, since you know we we're consuming things at a, at a different pace and, and level right now, and yes, trying to stay connected to our foundations. Um, is there a favorite like game and or book? that you've been connecting to right now in terms of that kind of those story elements? Um, well, there's actually a series that I've been enjoying 
throughout the lockdown, the quarantine. Um, it's really been fun to reread, which is the Jim Butcher's Dresden files. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, I've been listening to him on audiobook. Uh, James Marster's reading of those is just fantastic. I just love how he does it. Mm. So it's just, it's been fun. It's something I can just listen to and enjoy. Um, and it, it's good urban fantasy. And I, I just, I, I enjoy doing that. As far as games, um, I just tore through the Final Fantasy VII remake. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I loved the game when it originally came out. A little frustrated that it's not an entire game, but... Is it? it not? Was, I, I don't. I don't have it, but I played it back in the yeah. day, and I. Yeah. I had a game corrupt. Oh. Was corruption and was never able to get more than halfway through it. Yeah, I, I finished the the original game. I still have my original PlayStation and that game, which I pull out <laughs> every now and then to play it. I hate to say this, but the new one is so much better. <laughs> Wow. I mean, just beyond graphics. I mean, graphics alone, it's stunning. But the story, they've added more elements to it. It flows better. It was it was so much fun to, to play. Um, so I was playing that, and it, and it kind of gave me that that nice uh, – it had a nice retro feel to it while still playing on a new console. And I got to remember those fun story elements and – my kids were so confused how I knew the game because it was a brand new game, but now I have to tell them it's not. It's just a remake. That's why it says remake. But um, from the nineties, yeah. Yeah, but so that was lots of fun, and that's really the only game I've been playing as far as like tabletop stuff. Mm. Uh, I lean a lot towards um, the towards D and D. Uh, or this uh, Fantasy Flight Star Wars game, or uh, the Firefly game. Uh, mm, is there a Firefly tabletop? Yeah, there is. It was put out by Margaret Weiss Productions. Uh, mm. I don't know if she has a license to it, but I got it several years ago at Gen Con. Mm. Um, it's a dice pulling system. It's lots of fun. My friends hate me for running that game because I am notoriously mean to them. Uh, <laughs> because you're always cutting them short at one season. Is that what's well, it's, going it's, on? Well, it's it's no, it's not really that. It's just it, it's it's fun. It's you know, it's cowboys in space, really. Yeah. But just, yeah. the way with the way the dice pool system works is, if you roll any ones, that means there is um, a counterpoint. So even though you win there's still something bad that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say, for example, uh, character A gets into a bar fight with this, this NPC there, and you know he rolls a, uh, a 17, um, and the NPC rolls a 12. Well, obviously, you know, and he, he punches him, knocks him out, and game over. However, in his dice pool, there were two ones. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in this instance, I just made it so the guy they knocked out is the son of the mayor that they're supposed to drop the stuff off to, and he's refusing to pay them and has now taken their cargo. Mm. And so now what do you do? 
Yeah. And so, yeah, I, 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 I love that because that works with books too, right? Yeah. The idea that that short-term success causes further tension and complication. Yeah. So I, I use some of that elements in my writing. Uh, another buddy of mine actually brought up the fate dice. This is something he does where he, when he gets stuck, he'll grab out four fate dice. And mm. I don't know, if, have you seen a fate dice before? I, I, I have, and I think there's a Star Wars system that I have a beginner box for my son that has that concept too. Yeah, so the fate dice have two pluses on them, two minuses, and two blanks. Mm. And you roll four dice. So mm-hmm. um, he talked about this where if you get stuck, he just grabs the four dice and rolls, and you know whatever comes up, comes up. Yeah. And so... In this instance, he was talking about, he's like, yeah, you know, uh, uh, I got a plus and three minuses. He's like, so it it wasn't all bad. (laughs) Like, so in this scene, he just bungled everything up to the point where he got into the the place where the bad guy was. You know, Uh, he went to get out of the car, spilled coffee on himself. Uh, One. You know, went to then then he stumbled out of the car and pretty much fell on the ground. And then as he's walking towards the uh, the door, something else happens. And then he finally gets to the door. The door works. Mm. And I'm just like, wow, that's a really fantastic idea. Yeah. You know, even though it still succeeded, he still had some bad things happen along the way. So I, I'm I'm eager to try to see if that will work, but I haven't ran into a a spot where I've been able to use that yet. Yeah. I, I imagine that'd be a fascinating, like this project, like just as an experiment, do a story solely by the dice. Uh, by the dice. Wow. That could be, that could be scary. And yeah, like, at the same time. you have to not be attached to the outcome. Right. But, I think I'm going to do that for a short story. There you that go. That would be really fun. Cause then I, it wouldn't be invested. It could just be, Ooh, Okay, you could just give me an idea now. All right. Great. <laughs> Get the, I hope you have your note, notepad handy. Or, yes. There you go. I, I think that the whole short story could be called By the Dice. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's just the whole story revolves around my, my, my roles. I think I'm going to do that. That might be a, a writing experiment this weekend. There you go. Hey, and you know, for anybody listening, you know, by the time – they hear this, you'll have tried your experiment, but maybe, that's, maybe other people can give it a try and let us know how it went as well. Yeah, no, that'd be really fun. Yeah. It, it's things like those, you know, uh, that are just, it's crazy, but it, it helps get the creative juices flowing, especially in something like a short story. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that sometimes shorts, if I get bogged down, I'll just write a short story. Even if it never gets mm-hmm. published, it's at least helping me kind of get my mindset elsewhere. So that when I come back, like, oh, okay, I can move forward. Um, Because I I don't really believe there's something, anything such as writer's block. I just think we write ourselves into a a position where we can't see out Mm -hmm. of the the canyon, pretty much. Um, And we need time to step back, do something else. And then when we come back, it's like, oh, hey, look, there's a rope bridge above us. Why didn't I see that before? Or or a ladder. Um, I just need to get up there. Uh, it's, it's, it's like two feet above me. So, uh, Oh, Hey, look, there's a rock over here. If I push this over, I can reach that. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I find writing short stories to be a challenge, which is funny because they used to be not a challenge. That's how I started. And, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, part of it is there's 
whether you write a short story for the joy just to do it versus having an objective like yeah like okay if i'm writing for an anthology then suddenly i'm putting all this pressure yeah on it right like okay suddenly it has to be something or i've got this extra critic on my shoulder do you mm-hmm. have you experienced that at all yeah um i mean both short stories that I have published right now uh, are in anthologies. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one, like I said, was for Jason King, and it was in his world. So I had to read his book so that I knew how the world functioned. Mm. Um, and then not only that, he gave me a specific power for this character. There was 12 different powers, and he's like, okay, this is yours. Mm. And I'm like, sweet, elemental powers. How do I not make this like Avatar? <laughs> um, and so I, I figured a way how to do it. I made it fun. I incorporated it with an element within the story. And it worked out really well. Um, my problem is fitting it into the word count criteria. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my... My novels are 120,000 plus words. Okay. How do I tell an entire story in 5,000? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's, that's the challenge for me, really. It's not that I can't get a story out. It's how do I cram a small amount in? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, for a writing assignment for school, um, it, you know, they're like, hey, you know, minimum – is two to three pages. Mine ended up being nine. <laughs> I, I I didn't get docked points, but I just I couldn't do it in two to three pages. I yeah, uh, you know I like writing. I like I guess being wordy, uh, as some people put it. But uh, it's it's kind of hard to condense that, and especially yeah. with short stories, you have to condense that. You have yeah. such a small amount. And flash fiction is even worse. Um, it's even smaller. Fi- you know, tell a whole story in 1,500 words. I've only been able to successfully do it once. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, for me, that's almost easier because then it's like, well, I started with songwriting. But okay. I, I think there's an element of when I last couple I wrote were like, they ended up feeling like inciting incidents up to the turning point mm-hmm. of a story of a much longer story. It's like, Oh, it's like, there's this like certain amount of discretion. And I bring it up because I wonder if maybe we're carrying around a secret we can unlock for ourselves, which is the difference. If we take it in gaming terms, the difference between a campaign and a one shot. Yeah. Like, like I mean, how would you, how would you approach a one shot? So, Actually, that's a really good point. Um, so one shots are easy uh, for me. Uh, so now that I'm sitting here, like that's pretty much like a short story. I'm just contradicting myself. Uh, well, it's perfect. Like we're solving something for each other right now. Yeah. So like, so one shots. I mean, it's happened quite often. Like where I've been in a convention or something like that, and I have a a friend or something like, hey, we need we needed to do an adventure. You know, um, we were at a convention. Uh, I was at a convention up in Idaho uh, with several other authors that were friends. And one of the authors, uh, she'd never played D&D before, but she wanted to put that into her, her next book. And mm-hmm. they're like, hey, we should run a D&D game. 
tonight. You know, let's get some pizza and run a game. Like, so who could do it? And everyone's like, points to me. I'm like, sure, I'll do it. No, no problem. Uh, the next 20 minutes, I drew out a map, hand drew a mm. map, and inked it in, and I'm like, okay, crumpled it up, tore it a little bit, so it looked a little authentic, and I'm, uh, I had point A, point B, and I'm like, okay, we're good, we're good to go, we can go tonight. Um, mm. I didn't know how the story was gonna unfold, other than they were gonna save a princess, and they had to bring her home. Mm. Uh, the story went crazy. It went weird. Uh, DJ Butler is there. <laughs> um, several other authors were there and it, it was fun it was fun uh dj butler's character was a little gnome fighter guy and his his battle cry was muffin top uh and it just went insane but it was fun um because i let it be so loose i had beginning and end and i didn't care how mm in between happened yeah so i think with a short story kind of that same element you have a beginning you have the end and let it flow and turn into what it needs to be right now when you're writing in someone's world you still need to there are, there are rules and elements that you still need within that mm -hmm. because it's not your world but when it's your world you can do whatever you want um, as long as it pertains to the rules and elements you, you've already created um and, and most often you're going to because it's your creation, but yeah. And I think I think you're right because I I wrote a a short story for my own universe book series universe once, and I knew that like I knew by the end like so there's this artificial intelligence planetary caretaker kind of thing, and it had to be gone like somehow it vanished by the end of the story. Yeah. Right. And so it's like okay, that's all I need to know. Right. And so yeah. Not yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think that's those are the elements you need. You need to know where you're starting, where you're ending, and then the rest can just you know develop naturally. Because yeah. with my one shots, that's what I'm doing with those adventures. And mm. oh, now I'm going to take my own advice. Now that I have my fate dice, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is going to be so much fun. That's great. Well, it seems like a good place to leave it. So for people who want to know more about you, Daniel, uh, where can they find you? Uh, so they can go to my website, which is fate of dragons. Okay. Uh, no, no, hold on. Hold on, man. I, if I, I do have, I do have links and I can put them in the show notes, but I know yeah, you're fine. Not, ev I, not everybody. No, it's okay. I, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I always hate it when I mess this up. <laughs> well, and you probably have more than one, like, you know, kind of identity and thing, you know, attract yeah. people to. So hold on. Hold on. Uh, well, I see dragonsfate. Dragonsfate.com. That's what it is. Uh, so Fate of Dragons is the title of my series. That's why I messed it up. So yeah, dragonsfate.com is my website. Um, you can find the books, uh, my short stories are and the anthologies they're in and the books on Amazon. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, uh, Daniel Swenson 77, I think is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and then for people who are interested in the podcast, um, so the podcast dungeon crawlers, so you can find that dungeon crawlers radio.com or dcrshow.com. Um, or you can just look up dungeon crawlers, uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, oh my gosh. Probably Spotify, I would imagine. Spotify, that's the other one. I was, yeah. I wanted to say Ironheart Radio, but it's not there. It's Spotify, it's the other one. 
um, Google Play. It's it's pretty much everywhere. It's been running since two thousand December of two thousand eight. So I've been doing it quite a while. Right. Um, there are a plethora of shows. Um, one year we went super crazy and did three shows a week. So um, <laughs> we have cut back from that. It's only one a week now, but there are definitely a lot of shows in our catalog. Um, uh, so there's a lot of content. To, to yeah, I, no- I noticed you have a you have a conversation with Ra Salvatore. Yes, I actually among just others spoke him this week. Um, Bob is a good friend, so there'll be another episode coming out with Fantastic. him. Fantastic. Um, Michael Brent always comes on the show yeah um there there's always a reference to a golden baby um you'll have to listen to the show to find out what that means okay <laughs> uh yeah dj butler uh brandon sanderson i mean we've we've had a lot of really cool guests come on the show um we've interviewed several celebrities which those are tough but we we have done those mm-hmm. um so it's been a really amazing, enjoyable ride. Um, you know, and if anyone, I mean, this is the one thing I would say is anyone thinks they want to do something, take mm. the leap of faith. That's what I did, yeah. uh, especially in building this podcast. You know, when I started it with a buddy of mine years and years ago, you know, we created a list of who, are, who, who would the top three people be when we know we've made it, mm. you know? George Lucas was one, you know, that was our giant white whale. Yeah. R.A. Salvatore, Tracy Hickman. That was our, our top three. Okay. I've gotten so you, you had your, you had your end point just like a, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I had to have a goal. You have to have a goal. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I thought it was when I started, it was to, you know, get me on the, on radio, but really when I look at it, my goal was to help other people, you mm. know, uh, and that's that's the reason I've continued doing the show is because it helps other people. Not only do it does it help me because I get to talk about something I love, my co-hosts get to talk about something I love, yeah. uh, they love. But we're helping authors and these game designers get the word out and get people to know about them. Yeah, sounds and, like a, it's a virtuous circle. Yeah, yeah and, you know, and, and and in turn they help you out. I mean, Michael Brent's been a great friend of mine, and he introduced me to you, and it, it just it's just wonderful continuing circle of creativity in life that's so amazing and you know without it you know that i think that's what everyone is struggling with so much right now is that Mm. lack of community you Mm -hmm. know now that we've been kind of quarantined we don't have that connection and that's what human beings survive on you know it's connecting with other people whether it's telling you you know a good joke talking to them touching them whatever we really need that. And when we lose that, we kind of start losing ourselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we've got tons of entertainment, but it just, it's not the same. You're right. And you know, that's the reason I've, I've discovered that actually my podcast is my top priority in this because yeah, it's that connection, you know, getting yeah. to talk with people like you, it's kind of that weekly anchor Yes. You know, and, and it's fun when you're talking on a podcast. Absolutely. Because you have a, you know, especially the way you're doing it is very similar to the way we do it. You know, we always uh, pitch it as it's, it's the conversation that happens at the game table before the game put, begins. Right. You know, it's where you just, it's just fluid. It moves and flows and you're just having fun. It's not like this. So in 1984, you did such and such, you know, like 
Walter Cronkite interviewing someone. Mm-hmm. It's this very fluid thing, and it, it feels natural. Right. And, fun. and, and it's, the same, it's, it's the same as a one-shot or a short story, yeah. right? We have a beginning yeah. and an end. Right? Yeah, and, and then the next thing you know, wow, uh, an hour's gone by, and <laughs> I guess we need to wrap up. Or, wow, I'm done with this story. What the heck? Um, where's right. the next one? Well, fantastic, Daniel. Thanks for being a part of the show. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. I pre- it, it's been fun. Great. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Fearless Storyteller. As a reminder, any and all links can be found in the show notes. And if you're enjoying this podcast, will you please consider leaving a review? By doing so, you'll be helping new listeners discover The Fearless Storyteller podcast.